Before I came here, the Lord really spoke to me very strongly about speaking to you that my first messages should be about your purpose in God. I don't want you to think that uh, these are old messages that I'm just reheating that I've preached in another church. I've never preached these before because um, I want you to know that I just sense that God wants you as an individual, us as a church, but actually you as a person sitting there in your seat, that I believe God wants to communicate freshly to you that you have a purpose in God. Now, we all know that, but it's, it's kind of like a burden that I have to release to, that, that you walk out that door saying, okay, God, I, I need to deepen in the purposes of God. So today I'm going to be talking about some things we need to combine to bring our purpose together. Um, Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm going to be kind of highlighting the life of David, but there's, let's, let's just stop off in Jeremiah just for a moment. Jeremiah 32 verse 19 says it this way. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct as their deeds deserve. Great are your purposes, Lord. If you went to David's last words, they were found in 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 7. I won't read all of them, but basically David says, God, you have been good to me. You've, you've established my covenant. You have, you've made it good. I, I've been a good king and, and you've made it good for me. But then he actually says, but evil men we have had to deal with as if there's a little bit of a mix between uh, God's purposes and the way that we play them out. Your purpose is a mix of God's foreordained plans and your stewardship of how you can live them out. Hey, we're a sat-nav generation, aren't we? We all use satellite navigation. Satellite navigation has been a good thing for my marriage. You see, what we have to understand about me is, is that I've got a great sense of direction. I just know where I, plonk me in the country, I know where to go. Uh, but my eyes don't really work that well. So I know where I'm going, I just can't see where I'm going. Now this is not stereotypical, and you know, this is just my marriage. Kathy has got fighter pilot vision. Oh man, she can see where I've left things, although she doesn't need vision for that, but she can just see really well. But perhaps Kathy's sense of direction has some challenges. So you would think we would be an ideal married couple, wouldn't you? My sense of direction, her eyesight, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong is that I don't see the signs quick enough to tell her, oh yeah, that's the way. And when we, and if we ever have words, and you know what I mean by words, <laughs> if we ever have words, it's in the car about directions. But then somebody invented sat-nav. Oh, Tom, Tom, I love it. Just healed our marriage. We just put the sat-nav on and we... 
you know, off we go. We can chat. The sat-nav does all the work for us. It's brilliant. We're a sat-nav generation in that we're on the right road, but we don't know where we are. You can use your sat-nav and you say, well, I trust this thing. It's directing me. I'm completely in the right road, but I actually don't really know where I am. And it can be like that, a little bit like that in our life in church. We can do all of the right things. We can go to all of the right events, but we're not sure of the overall plan that God's got for us. We're doing the right things. We're attending the things. We're saying the right things. But actually, what's the big plan here, Lord? You see, what I want to say to you today is, it's time that you had the confidence again to say, God, let me press into my purpose. Not, and there'll be time for collective purpose and there's time for great church vision. They, that will come. But for a moment, let's focus on you and you saying, well, God, I think I'm on the right road, but where am I going? Another issue that we have when we think about purpose is we love scriptures, don't we? Like Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know all things work together, together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 19, verse 21 that says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. And we, we say things like Isaiah 14, verse 24, that says, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. Is there an amen in the house, by the way? You know, uh, as I have purpose, says the Lord, so it will happen. The Lord Almighty has purpose. Who can thwart him? Verse 27 of chapter 14 of Isaiah says, He has, his hand is stretched out. Who can turn it back? We read scriptures like this and we all think, wow, that's great. But we tend to think that this makes our life purpose a bit like clockwork or a bit automatic. That no matter what we do, it'll all work out in the end. And, and you know, there is a truth to that. Surely, through all the twists and turns of your life and my life, somehow God brings it about in the end. As much as we try and mess it up, sometimes God works it out, doesn't it? And one of our best prayers is, bless this mess. But your purpose isn't like that. It's not like an ideal sales graph that goes up and up and up and keeps getting better. Actually, it takes several twists and turns and it's an interaction with you and God. And like David's last words where he said, you've given me this kingdom, but there were evil men that I had to thwart. Your life will be a mix. And so today I want to ask you, will you with me that I'm trying to do in my life, will you lean in to some of the ingredients and spot what God is up to and that, that will help and combine some things together to bring your purpose about? Your purpose is a combination of God's will and, and your faithful living, but there are some key things that you can place together. And would you look at them with me? Let's, let's combine some things to help you lean into your purpose. The first thing is you can lean into your purpose by having a sense of calling. When David 
was um, anointed by Samuel. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, it says, So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. There was a, a sense of calling about his life. Now, when I say calling, I'm not saying a calling to be a pastor or, or a calling to be a, uh, some uh, great missionary or something, although those are important. But actually, having a sense of calling means that, God, I'm doing what you want me to do right now. That actually I'm in the right place and you're okay with it, God, and I'm okay with it. That actually at this time in my life, I'm called to what I am doing. David's life came with a sense of calling out of his ordinary life, his shepherd life. And when we talk about calling, we can often get caught up with the dramatic stories of how people are called to dramatic things. But actually, much of your purpose and your calling will come out of your ordinary life. Like Mary Anderson, who was a school teacher, and she visited New York in the winter of 1902. And she jumped on a streetcar and she noticed that the driver of the streetcar had the front window open because all the snow and the rain was blowing in. And she went home and thought to herself, what if I could invent a rubber device that swept away all the snow and rain? And this day, we are thankful to Mary Anderson, who invented the windscreen wiper, just out of her ordinary life. Or perhaps I could talk to you about Jan Koum, who was a Ukrainian when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, living in Kiev, and he was always bugged him that they were bugged. That he always felt that there was no privacy. And he was a Ukrainian Jew, and as anti-Semitism uh, rose in that area, him and his mother emigrated to California in the mid-70s. His father was going to join him, but his father died before he got there. And so they were quite a poor family living on food stamps, going to the social security office. Jan got a job with Yahoo and began to work and think to himself, how can I create an affordable app where we can talk privately to each other or at least securely? He was invited to a pizza party where some of his fellow uh, Ukrainian Jews just got together for fellowship. And they began to talk about it and he, him and his friend, uh, David Shukman, actually began to develop an app. And they developed it and uh, he said, oh, what shall we call it? Uh, he said, you know, when you, when you greet each other in America, you go, yeah, what's up? So they invented something called WhatsApp. Because you can encrypt the conversation, because Jan saw a need and said, for once in my life, can I not be bugged? 2009, was when that came out, and in 2014, he sold it for $19.3 billion. And he signed the papers in the Social Security office where he received food stamps. Out of your ordinary life can come some incredible things. 
You see, the ingredients of a calling are, it fits in with the great purposes of God. Of course it does, that, that God makes some, it takes a lump of clay and he can make what he wants out of all of our lives. Romans tells us that, uh, that, that God just takes any of us and he can make us what he wants to. It, calling, it happens that as we are being faithful at something, remember, David was being a shepherd and God interrupted his life. What are you being faithful at? As you're faithful, God will bring his great purposes into your life. Calling often happens through an invitation and then you see a need. You know, David, you know, he was invited to carry cheese to his brothers. That's how he got invited to the battlefield. He was a cheese carrier. So you might be a cheese carrier, but then he saw Goliath and said, no. You can be going along through your ordinary life and then you see something and you say, that must not be. And God begins to reveal his purposes to you. His calling in your life will always stretch you. I've put some thoughts together, and thank you for those who downloaded the follow-up video. I've put some thoughts together that you can deepen some things that I haven't said today about calling in our deeper dive. You can use the QR code uh, to uh, put it on your phone, but it'll be in the foyer as well, and we can help you so that you can get uh, more material. You can perhaps use it in your cell or use it personally to reflect upon. First of all, calling. Having a sense of calling will lean you into the purposes of God. Secondly, God is going to lead you to seasons in your life when you will need courage. And people who don't act in courage often don't find the purposes of God because the purpose of God will always take a little bit of bravery. Remember Joshua? He's on the edge of the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Everything's before us. What is the first command that God says to him? Be strong and very courageous. You can't do this by just slipping and sliding into it. You're going to have to be brave to do it. In David's life, like Many of us, every one of us, has a Ziklag moment. Ziklag was a, was a town where David had assembled his family and his friends and lots of his fighting men put their family and friends there. It was his hometown at that point. And his town was raided and everybody was taken captive and his men were angry at him. Every one of us goes through a season of a Ziklag moment where things go wrong and we'll need some courage to get out of it. This is how he got out of it. Let me read you a bit of the story. David was greatly distressed because the men were thinking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in their spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Avatar the priest, bring me the ephod. And Avatar brought him the ephod, ephod. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue them? He said to the Lord, will I overtake them? This is how David found courage. First of all, he admitted his feelings. <laughs> God, this is bad. But this is the difference. He didn't stay in what I call the bitter end of his feelings. Do you know that you can feel bad about something? And then if you keep dwelling and dwelling and rationalizing and reasoning, then it gets worse until it becomes a kind of bitter thing and fossilizes in your life as a poor attitude. 
He said, no, Lord, this is bad, but he didn't stay there. The second thing he did is he started seeking God's perspective. Bring me the ephod. Let me, let me begin to find out what God is saying. His men had got bitter, but then he acted. How many of you use the trains? Have you used the trains? Have you heard this phrase? See it, say it, sort it. Every time I hear that phrase on the, on the trains, I think, yeah, I see what you're doing, Lord. I'm going to say what you're doing, Lord. Let's come on, let's go and sort it. You have to act if you're going to move into God's purposes. You need some courage. And you get courage by seeking the Lord. And what actually courage is, is seeing the faith future over the present pain. And so today, would you, with, with a situation that you're facing, would you, be, would you just step back and say, okay, God, I see it. I'm going to say what you say about it. Come on, God, let's sort it. See it, say it, sort it. When you hear that phrase tomorrow on the train, why don't you remember what I've been saying today and go, glory. Don't do it too loud because people will think you're weird. The third thing that we need to do, and what we tend to do, especially if our purpose is delayed or it seems hard or a long time coming, is we tend to become isolated. So the third thing we need to do is remember to stay connected. Calling, courage, connection. It's really important if you're going to lean into your purpose. David was the king. He was anointed as the king, but he had to serve Saul. David slew Goliath, to use a King James term. He killed Goliath. I always feel sorry for Goliath. I really do, because he did take a knife to a gunfight. He really did, if you think of what David's weapons were. But that's another sermon. He had tremendous victories. But actually, his, his great purpose of being the king was delayed. How many of you sometimes can get frustrated when you know that you know that you know that that's the right thing, but your purpose is delayed? All of us tend to, in those moments, sing the song, All by myself I want to be. All by myself, I want to be. Anyway, that's enough of that. We tend to want to get isolated. That's not what David did. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, the first two verses, this is what it says. And he's in delay. And it's absolutely right that he should be the king. But he's being pushed back. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam where his brothers and his father and his household heard about it, they went down to him there. All of those who were in distress, those who were in debt, and those who were discontented gathered around him. And they became their commander, about 400 men with him. Now they rallied around him, and, and that, that may be uh, true, but what David didn't do is he didn't say, hey guys, let me just be on my own. He said, no, come on, let's be together. We all have this natural tendency 
to say, no, I want to be on my own when things are tough. But actually, this is a key insight that you need to understand. God often delays your purpose so that he can deepen something. Either deepen your prayer life, deepen your character. And actually, more often than not, God wants to populate your purpose and plans with people. Because mostly, you will not achieve the greatness of your life by yourself. God himself wants to put the right people and the right connections into your life. In the, in the Deeper Dive video, I'm going to talk to you. I won't do it today. It's another message about three uh, key relationships that you'll need to develop in your life. So scan the code and, and get that so you can uh, talk about it in your cell or, or reflect on it personally. In any delay, God is saying, let me deepen something in your life. So let me minister to you. Let me, let me kind of be shepherdly a bit. If you're in a holding pattern or in a delay or you're frustrated about things not working out, here's the prayer to pray. God, what are you deepening? God, is there anybody who I should be connecting with that I need to connect with? God, help me to go through the deepening process and not just focus on the destination. In this delay, God did not send David the choice people. He sent David the people who needed to go with him. God will mix in your life the right people. Delay always means God's deepening something. So if you're going to lean into your purpose, you've got a sense of calling. God, what I'm doing now is right. And if you're going to lean into your purpose, there has to be this sense of, I need to act. God, give me the courage to do it. And if you're going to do, lean into your call and to your purpose, there will be a sense more connection that God will bring round, around you. But finally, when we lean more into our purpose, the big idea of what our purpose is for comes to us. And therefore, God deepens our character. David, Look at it in 1 Samuel 5.12. Just do, do quickly on your electronic phone there. Not checking Facebook, but going to your Bible app. It says this. David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. He had exalted his kingdom. And then there's this line, for the sake of the people. David, you've got your dream. David, you're the king. David, this was the plan all along. David, I'm going to establish your throne for generation after generation. This is it. But David, it's not for you. It's for the sake of the people. You see, what we've got to learn is that our purpose will not be just about us. And therefore, fourthly, we've got to build into our lives the character that says, my life is not just about success, but it becomes about significance to help others. Bob Barford was a tremendously successful person. He was the a kind of person that, that, that had the ideal marriage. Bob had started a cable TV 
station in, uh, in the United States. And quickly, his TV station was able to build lots of other stations and, and get a large franchise. He had tremendous wealth. He had an ideal family. And his son, Ross, uh, had grown up really well and become an investment banker. Ross had moved to Texas from where away from where Bob lived, but he loved Ross. And uh, Bob was like thinking for the first half of his life, oh, my life is just going from one success to another. And then Ross, with two of his other friends, decided to have some fun one day and, and swim the Rio Grande River. And Ross was swept away and drowned. Bob's life came crashing down at that moment. All the success in the world couldn't buy Ross back out of that drowned state. Bob Barford has actually written a book called Half Time, and he explains in that book of how he feels that his life and our lives should move from that chasing of success and that next promotion, all of which is appropriate, but actually we transition our lives from success to significance that we actually begin to live and say, how am I blessing and impacting other people? Remember the scripture that I opened up this little talk with, Jeremiah 32, 19? Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds, Lord. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. It's actually the way that we steward our lives and that we begin to say our lives have to become significant and not just successful. Let success go for other people. Let them have it, that's fine. And you may, in your career, have success, but unless you can translate all of your life to the significance of blessing others, then your success is rather shallow. You see, let me just say to you, Talks on purpose can be a little bit unfair on congregations. It's a little bit sometimes that pastors talk about purpose as if we know everything and, and you're struggling. And it's kind of as if we're supposed to get one download of revelation and then we can go on automatic mode for the rest of our lives. It doesn't work like that. We have to stay open your combination of, of combining good things together will lead you to a significant life purpose. Your purpose develops over time. It will be a complex mix and take some unusual uh, turns and twists. It's always interwoven with other people. It will never be about just you and God. Although indeed, it will always be founded on the purposes of God where he says, it is for God, it is God who wills and works in you according to his good pleasure. Doesn't Philippians chapter two tell us that? You see, by your ordinary life, by embracing some of the, your seasons of calling and having the courage to act when you, when you do see something and, and doing it prayerfully and worshipfully, when, when you're contained, understanding that that actually God's trying to deepen some things. When you do that, then your purpose will come. I'd like to ask the worship team just to come. And, and 
I, I, I really just want to encourage you today. And can I go back to the very first thing I said? That, that I felt that God said to me, speak to everyone, speak to the church, but, but actually speak to individuals. And so I want to say, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose, sir. Madam, you have a purpose. That you, you at the back, you have a purpose. And, and our purpose will be interwoven with other people. But can you, can I begin to just open your heart right now and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to have the courage once again to say to myself, I have something more in God to pursue. You see, I want to say to you, keep going. There's a philosopher, Frederick Nietzsche, that once said this, we rejoice in the present as if it came out of the ground by magic. We often don't ask how things got there. You know that the Bible says in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 20, it says that, that, that in any house, there are, there are things for common use and things for special use. There are some people that, that have amazing talents and, and they go and lead us and inspire us and, and that's amazing. But we all have to learn that the truth of the church is, is a bit like the Wizard of Oz. That when we pull the curtain back, we find ordinary people like lions who lack courage and scarecrows who perhaps don't have the intelligence of other people or tin men who don't have a heart. But that's the people that God wants to use. Those are the people that God says, I can use you, I have purpose for you. You see, you've got to embrace your calling.
Lord, we think you are great, but we know you're great.